Hello and welcome to the Two Robbies podcast, your destination for in-depth discussion and analysis of the Premier League and the Champions League. I'm Robbie Musto, he's Robbie Earl, and here are today's topics. Manchester United shut down Tottenham 2-0 at Old Trafford, but Cristiano Ronaldo stirs up controversy as he exits the pitch before the final whistle. Liverpool win their second straight as Darwin Nunez gets on the score sheet. Chelsea held to a scoreless draw at Brentford, and we welcome in special guest Andres Contour to get his thoughts on the Premier League season thus far and what to look forward to in this year's World Cup. That's what we've got coming up in today's episode. And Musty, let's not forget about Premier League Pick'em, your chance to win $50,000, play Premier League Pick'em for free, and you can become the next big winner. Download the NBC Sports Predictor app today, available in the App Store or the Google Play Store. Okay, my friend, let's take it to Old Trafford, let's take it to Manchester United, let's take it to Eric Ten Hag, let's take it to... I'm going to come out with it. The best Manchester United 90-minute performance I've seen in some time. There's your starter. Yeah, absolutely, Rob. I mean, encouraging. Really encouraging for the Man United supporters. We've been seeing a little bit of this over the last few weeks, Rob. I think we talked about it, like this mm. expansive, flat-out attacking football, really. I've got to say, for Manchester United, um, great width, great pace about it, great pressing, great energy. I think there's a... There's a, there's a a brave way of playing against uh, of Tottenham. I mean, I've got to say, I think, I think Eric Ten Hag outcoached Antonio Conte, was totally ready for the counter-attack. Yeah. Casemiro did a really good job in front of the two centre-backs for Manchester United, just snuffing out mm. Son and Harry Kane. We got Fred in this role that was without the ball alongside Casemiro, but when United had it, he was, he was going really, really high, almost alongside Bruno Fernandes. And that, for me, Rob, was the key to the game. That was a successful part of the yeah. game plan. Less so the wide players, Sancho and, and Anthony, and they've done bits in previous games. This was about the middle, attacking three, uh, sorry, the midfield players for Manchester United and how they dominated Tottenham. Yeah, well, well it's slightly interesting, Rob, and I saw you, Danny, did a really nice breakdown of Casemiro. Totally agreed with, with you know, his position. I thought we saw his value and his worth, Rob. Mm. I know we've been seeing him off the bench and wondering when we start. Today, I just thought top class. You know, stopped any kind of threat before Kane was looking to come deep, before someone could pick the ball up and start those counters. He was almost snuffed out with Martinez and Varane, who, who were excellent again, another clean sheet. But it was interesting, Rob, because I thought, in a way, the three in midfield might be able to cope with Fred and, and, and Bruno going high and Bazuma. I think if it was two, then I'd almost think, well, yeah, maybe yeah. Hoiberg and Benteke are getting overrun and pushed back. But with the extra man yeah. in there, Rob, I was thinking, yeah. OK, why, why can they not deal with that? Yeah, they couldn't. They couldn't, Rob. That's exactly right. I think me and Danny Hickenbotham yeah. on the show were saying, yeah. you know, it, it, they're supposed to have got three in there and they still got... I mm. think they were surprised by it. I mean, that, that was the key to the performance for me, Rob. And, um, I mean... I, I think this is this is the the identity of Eric Ten Hag, and it's yeah. a way that I thought Old Trafford was loving it. You know, even before they got the two goals up, yeah. um, I thought they enjoyed the pace about it. Some of the football was really, really good. And again, it was kind of brave. If things, if their football wasn't good, and then you've got Fred yeah. out the game too far forward, Bruno out the game too far forward, Casemiro could have been left on his own yeah. a little bit, but they didn't. The football was so good. That, no. that situation happened very, very rarely. 
Um, goals from Fred, big deflection, of course. And then Bruno benefited from a little ricochet back to him mm. again. Fred was involved with that. Um, is that is that the way the midfield's going to look? I mean, McTominay's played a big... It came off the bench in this one, but is that, um, for now, the yeah. best setup? I mean, Ericsson's been a big part. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a yeah. good question. Ericsson's been such a big part, hasn't he, and in different ways. It might be horses for courses. Fred can have these days and be brilliant. I, I, you know, I think I went back famously and said every team needs a Fred these days, Rob, when mm. it sometimes doesn't quite look the quality and the ability and... Those might be harsh decisions to make, but I think as a manager, you you, you will have to make those. Um, but listen, there's a balance. There's all. I I wrote a thing down, Robert. We're getting into second half. I said, this looks like a Manchester United team who all know what they're doing. Yeah. And I don't think we've always said that Manchester United, haven't we? We've been a bit like, mm, this doesn't quite look like this looks off the cuff. And I wrote one more thing down, Robbie Musto, that kind of hurt me a little bit to write in terms of the personnel and that. This team looks a top-class striker short of being a decent decent outfit. Yeah, and... And, uh, and I'm, that's, that's I'm looking at Marcus Rashford, and we all know what he's done on and off the pitch, and we all know he's a great lad who's come through the academy. But a top-class striker at the top end of that pitch, Rob, seals that game. That could be four. That, that the, the game's not even in balance at one nil or even at two nil. You know, if Spurs come back, there are moments in games. He's had a header at the weekend. He's had two or three today. Yeah. Which yeah. sometimes I think I think Lee Dixon put it well. You'd say decent save by the goalkeeper. I put that down as poor misses. Do you know what's funny, Rob? Right, and I agree with you. We've talked about Rashford many many times. Do you know what the the, yeah. the frustrating part is? That yeah, I, okay. So another striker might have finished off those chances, but his movement and his pace and those runs in yeah, behind yeah. gives him the opportunity to score. It's just the finishing part is what he's, he's lacking a little bit, whether it's a header against West Ham. You know, two chances today that, you know, somebody with a little bit more uh, finesse, I say, would, would maybe have found one of those corners. So yeah. it's frustrating because a lot of his work as a centre-forward, but those runs in behind, the pressing... Sometimes he mm. fakes and, and creates. I mean, he did well when he, when he, when he checked inside and hit it with his left, left foot. Left foot one, yeah. So he's yeah. almost yeah. there. He's almost there. It's just the finishing. Like, if he, if he can spend every blimmin' minute of training or spend <laughs> a half an yeah. hour after training practicing his finishing and different types of finishing and scoring, hitting the back mm. of the net, then maybe he could be that guy. But we haven't seen it. And, yeah. it's, and, 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 and I, go, I guess it goes back to, OK, let's get a top-class centre-forward at United and then you put yeah. Rashford he threatens on the left hand side hmm. and now let's just go there a little bit Rob because Jaden Sancho there was flashes in a couple of games hmm. and Anthony was, was bright you know it wasn't one of his games where he was amazing in this game but I thought he was bright and had a few opportunities yeah, yeah. Jaden Sancho has he got what it takes to, to go and have a, a career go, go and be an effective really important part of this first team because <laughs> the money paid and the manager and the fans want him yeah. to do that are we seeing enough evidence that he's got it in him to really progress no, and to no. be a, a top player? The body of work so far, Rob, would, would, would say no. These glimpses, these yeah, goals, there's he's been a couple of goals, there's been some moments, there's been some assists where you go, that's, that's it, that's the player, mm. but not on a consistent level. And, listen, we know the stakes are high. We know this is Manchester United, so it's, it, it's a little bit ramped up. This isn't... Oh, no. Brentford, this isn't a t team where, you know, you've got to be on top of your game, delivering goals, assists, tormenting defenders at a level and as a quality. And when you've paid that kind of money, 
He looks to me, Rob, a little... What's the word? What? It's somewhere between confidence and... He doesn't quite look like... He, he, he believes in himself enough. He believes in... He, he hasn't got any... Is it, is it, you know, is it, is it fire, fire in the belly, Rob? Is it fire in the belly, like a desire to go and, to go yeah, and be possibly, a top man? Yeah. Or? yeah, go and take hold of a game yeah. and be man of the match on three or four occasions and score a goal and assist in two. Because he looks to me, and, and we've seen Glenn Zid Dorman, and obviously we know he's got the ability, Rob, but he, it just isn't coming. Listen, before we jump on to Spurs, Rob, um, and by the way, of course, this is such a such a positive, um, you know, reaction to Man yeah, United it's... winning a, a really tough game against a tough opponent. One Strong. of the best days for a long time. One, one, of, one of their best days. Really, 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 really encouraging. Um, yeah. We have got to talk yeah. about Cristiano Ronaldo, Rob, because he wasn't selected. He was on the bench, yeah. and I think yeah. it was the 90th minute um, when there was two subs, yeah. at least two subs to be had for United. He decided to get up and walk away and walk down the tunnel. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I think when it happened, there's so much going on today. We're different games, and we're jumping around a little bit. Mm. And I, we were a little late to this. Like, wow, he's just walked away. I mean, and then we of course yeah. we had a chance to react to it on our broadcast, on our air. And I, I was strong. Yeah. And I, and I, and I, mm. I I'm really, I, I can't believe he did that. I, I think it was selfish. Um, you know, yeah. you know, almost, almost making. Jealous that he wasn't involved in that in some ways, that he, that he ended up making an impact in the evening where he didn't. Stay there and congratulate your teammates. Stay there and be available to your manager. Stay there and respect, you know, the, the squad and the game and the situation that it was in. I thought it was a, a really poor look for a player that's unquestioned, yeah. right? And whatever happened today, it's never going to take away what I feel about him as a footballer and his career. Nothing will ever change that. But that today was disappointing, the look... The walking away, I thought that was really, really bad. What did you think, Rob? Yeah, I, I, I was with you, Robert, as strong as you were. I thought it was disrespectful, first of all, to the football club, Rob, to Manchester United walking away. It's disrespectful to your football club. It's disappoint, disrespectful to your teammates. It's disrespectful to your coach and your fans. And I thought, Rob, um, that gave you an insight into some of who he is. The 700 goals and the, and the celebrations and the, the awards is about Cristiano Ronaldo first and his, the team that he's playing for second. And that showed today because that was a day for him to be the great Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo who's had brilliant high moments to walk on that pitch, to go up to Fred, grab him round the side yeah. of the neck and go, you were brilliant today, by the way. You've just yeah. won us three points. To go to Bruno Fernandes, to go to Martinez, to go to Diogo Dalla, you know, when, when someone like Cristiano Ronaldo comes and hugs you and says, well yeah, done, you feel a million dollars. And for him to be walking off, I thought it was an absolute disgrace. And I hope, and, and I thought Eric Ten Hag handled it brilliantly by saying, tonight was a night to celebrate this team and I'll deal with Cristiano tomorrow. I don't think he should be in the squad at the weekend based no. on what he's done. And I know some may say that hurts him. I think this is messages. This is about Manchester United. This is about Ten Hag. All the good things we saw on the pitch, Rob, can't be undone by little actions like that. No, I agree. It's going to be fascinating to see what Eric Ten Hag does. 
in terms of the next uh, weekend's games. Let's, let's, let's jump it over to Spurs, Rob, because United deserved a big yeah, mention. They yeah. got a big mention uh, Correct, on this yeah. pod. Um, oh, Spurs, I mean, Spurs are still sat in third place. <laughs> They're still there or thereabouts. Mm, I mm. think he talked afterwards about there's a disappointment that at a certain level his team don't, um, yeah, we don't can't perform. Compete. They've lost against yeah. Man United now away and yeah. Arsenal away. Big games where Arsenal, he wants to rely yeah. on a strong defensive foundation to, to, to kind of quell the attack of some of these really good sides at home. <sighs> yeah. I mean, is he going to change anything? Is it time to, to change anything? Or is he going to keep grinding away and, and, and over the course of 38 games, <laughs> he'll back his team and his squad and his methods yeah. to finish in the top four? I feel like that's what he's going to do, isn't he? I, I think you're right. And I, I thought it was well put by, I think Danny said, you know, is there, a, is there a plan B? He's not a plan B man, mate. I think you're right. He's, he, he's going to adapt plan A. Yeah. He's not going to change, Rob. It, it no. just isn't the way he is. You know, when when, when Spurs, I was, I was, as I was watching the game, I'm thinking, okay, Spurs' system and way of playing and strategy is based on keeping the clean sheet and going one nil up. When Spurs go one nil down, you would expect that that's when Plan B or maybe there's there's another thing. Yeah. They continue to do the same thing, Rob. And they go two nil down, by the way, and continue to do still the same. And if if United are Defensively well set up as they were, stops the campsites with Casemiro doing a great job in front, not turning the ball over so Spurs right. can have transitions. transitions. Yeah, they they're, Manchester United had 28 shots, Rob, 10 on target. I think it's the most they've had in one Premier League. So that also tells you that what he's trying to do, Conte, and stop the opposition, you know, getting good looks, didn't work. Spurs had seven shots, two on target. Yeah, a lot of it, it is down to Man United's game plan, and that's why I said that the manager, Correct. Ten Hag, outcoached Conte because Correct. he really snuffed mm. them out and didn't give him a chance to counter. I mean, what two or three decent, well, even half decent looks at goal. So again, it was it was mainly because of United. I just you know uh, I just think it's quite an easy like a Spurs. If you of, were a Spurs fan, Rob, just just yep, just yep, asking right. you the question because yep. this way, if you're a Spurs fan. Is it going to be a case like you're going to be critical when they don't win and just put and put and, and then obviously when they win it's okay we don't play that well but won is that where we're at with Spurs is that where Spurs fans almost have to accept now with this guy I think so because you talk about a new contract isn't there and, and things now and, and yeah what that's going to look like and what you know what the team I still sense he wants a couple more players in there Robbie I, I always get the sense he's, he's half saying we're not quite good enough yet. Yeah, I think there's no surprise there. I think January he'll try and bring in a couple of players. Mm. I still think wing-backs position... Again, this is all stuff that we've covered, Rob, and, and you just, we just get more evidence of it each week or weekend or match day, yeah. and yeah. then we can kind of add to the story. I mean, Doherty started today on the right-hand side, Perisic on the left. Yeah, OK, Perisic. you know, and to answer your question, yes, I think the Spurs fans know all about him. They're sat in third place right now. They know the football's not great. They're just going to stick with this philosophy. Maybe hope for an uplift in performance. You know, I've said before that I feel there's more to come from Tottenham. Um, but these big games and disappointing, I mean, that's, that's not a good look for them. And Antonio Conte will be frustrated. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, that's, that's all there is to be said. I mean, they've gone down this road and they've got a champion as a manager there. And he has added to the squad, yeah. and he has made it better, and, and they, they, they have scored some goals in flurries of goals they seem to score. But in certain games, they look a little pedestrian, and today a little mm. stiff, a little rigid. And I don't know, yeah. modern-day football, it, it's kind of evolving into a very fluid and a very um, tactical kind of 
I don't know, league at the moment, and it's different. And it can still mm. win, but not like this. So yeah. I think they keep grinding, Rob, and they'd expect to finish in the top four. I'm not, I mean, who knows if that, I, I don't know whether they're going to finish in the top four. You know, this grinding against some of the lower teams maybe keeps working, the one nils, mm. but that was just a bad look for Spurs tonight. But we've said this before, and, they're, and, they're, and they'll bounce back and they'll, they'll grind away some victories. So, yeah, it's kind of the same old story for Tottenham yeah. at the moment. Um, but they, but it, it does go mm. to that was that was that felt pretty good at Old Trafford for United fans. They enjoyed that, yeah, and that famous. was Man United at their best, like you said, so far this season. A really, really good win for them. In, interesting, Rob, as well. So Newcastle nil uh, nil draw, beat Spurs now two nil. Chelsea at the weekend. You know, three teams who I think. They're challenging for, and in, in, in certainly in similar spots. If United could get a win at Stamford Bridge, all of a sudden things look very different for, for Ten Hag after that sort of terrible start in, in the first couple of weeks. Let's move it on to Liverpool. Um, we saw them, we were in Philadelphia, we witnessed uh, an incredible game, incredible energy and intensity that Liverpool put to beat Manchester City at the weekend. Uh, they got a 1-0 win tonight. Uh, important goal, uh, Dominic Nunez uh, getting a header. Um, it's important he starts going goals especially with Jota out and, and, and you know the, yeah. the front line's not been firing as much as possible um, how did you see this one did you get did you get to see much of the game I, I, I saw most most of the first half um, Liverpool in good control looked decent Simicaz on the left hand side was yeah. getting around Cavalio is, a, is an interesting player Rob confident on the ball he, he, they, they, they believe in him they give him the ball when he asks for it yeah I mean we're not doing it underappreciated this match week um, it's just mm. so many so many games going on at the same time it's, it's obviously impossible to try yeah. and get a good look at all the games but he Fabio Cavallio is, is going to get probably a mention I really like him I thought the interesting thing was Rob and I, yeah. I saw bits of it of course there's games going on at the same time mm. um, I wondered if Mo Salah might play as a number 9 again you know it's still the same 4 2 3 one and I'm like, well, uh, mm. Darwin Nunes is playing, Mo Salah's playing, Mo Salah's looking yeah. really good as a number nine. Might Nunes play in a wide position? He didn't. Nunes played up front, no. Salah went back to the right-hand side. Um, and it was, a, it was a Darwin Nunes night. I mean, he could have scored two yeah. or three goals. The, the volley with his left foot, it hits the post. I think he takes his header really, really well. Um, mm. I, it is important. I, I, I like him. I really like him as a player. Hasn't yeah. always been great. I think he's going to. I think he's a little raw. I think he's he's going to need a little bit of time to adjusting to playing a team, and an expectation that Anfield gives you when you sign for them for a big amount of money. But he's lively. Yeah. He runs in behind. He shoots. He's a threat. He's a he's, he's a nuisance to defenders. And he had a good game. And and another win on Liverpool, with what's happened, it's good for them. You know, back to back wins now. And again, I didn't see all of it, but West Ham are a tough nut to crack at times. Um, but Darwin Nunez, the player that they want to be the future of the club as a number nine, getting the goal yeah. um, was really, really good. So, you know, any other any other kind of things that stand out to you in this one? West Ham had a, West Ham had a couple, couple, couple of looks, right. obviously. Uh, you also have to ma- 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 mention Alisson, goalkeeper Rob, oh, because there was a clumsy challenge by Gomez, wasn't yeah, there, on, on, on Boeing, and went back to VAR, and, and it was, uh, after looking at the monitor, it was awarded. And he, this fella, I mean, he scores goals, he assists goals, and he saves penalties. I mean, big, big <laughs> moment in the game. That, that, that's, that's a big, 
a big um, a big save at that time in the game that, that kept Liverpool ahead and I think kept the confidence and, and, and obviously so important to get back-to-back wins for, for Liverpool with that game in the hand that they've got on some of the teams at the top all of a sudden it, it's looking a little bit rosier but just the value of a goalkeeper Rob and, and if you've got one and he's, he's good and he's safe and he's secure they come out with big moments and, and you know it used to be the start wasn't it David De Gea saved United X amount of points a season yeah. Alisson's up there you know is the best in the league who, who comes up with big moments when he's required last thing in this game Rob I, uh, you know Trent Alexander-Arnold started the game again yeah yeah. Uh, you know if it's our feature game and I'm clued and I'm watching him I'm watching to see how he's playing is there anything different <laughs> he sit back a little bit more What did you, mm. did you get a sense of how Back in the team, at right back, was he back to his normal self? Was there anything different about the way he approached um, his position the, in the, the team? It looks like the, 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 the reins are on a little bit. He's, he joins in. I think he'll always join in. He, he's such an advantage to have in the attacking third of the pitch. But I don't think he, he, he's pushing it. He's over-forcing it. Thiago Robinson was another problem I just want to mention. Was just, it's just... So available all the time. We'll have the ball. Brilliant vision, creativity. I think he made one of the, the chances for Nunes with a beautiful yeah. ball over the top. A lot of there's a good there's a good relationship between Trent and him building down that right side when he comes and he clips balls around corners and plays. So I felt as though Trent was not forcing to get to to be in the attack. It's almost like he's saying, "I'll go when the time's right," but if not, I'll, I'll sit here and, and, and be solid. And it was one of those days. They kept the clean sheet. They got the goal, and they, they got the three points. Okay, let's move on to to Brentford. Brentford and Chelsea was the first game that we picked mm. up today in our air, and we prepared for that. And we, we kind of went through the lineups, etc., etc. So yeah. a good look at this. Um, yeah, yeah. Certainly through the first half, ended nil nil. Interesting team selection, Rob. <laughs> I mean. It was a nightmare. I mean, we, we get select. Well, we get we kind of get picked. Uh, 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 yeah. You know where I'm going here. Where we got to look at the lineups yeah. from from a list of eleven players. and We've got to figure out what's going on. Now, I'd mm. say, I don't know, about eighty percent of the time, we kind of know, we kind of get it right. Chelsea's the hardest one, and yeah. I want them my best guess. And yep, it was wrong. I mean, and and by the way, this is this <laughs> is a a tactic that he's absolutely deliberately employing. Thomas Frank said yeah. it in the presser yeah. before the game. You know, we prepare yeah. based on our opponents and we'll make changes based on that. He said, this is the hardest one. You know, Graham Potter, he did mm. it at Brighton. He changes stuff a lot. I think, every, I think Danny was saying every Premier League match has been a different starting system. This was a different one we haven't seen before. Yeah. With one uh, one um, holding player, it was Jorginho. It was Gallagher on yeah. the right. Oh, who was it then? Um, Kovacic, Mason Mount on the left of a three, and then you had Mason Mount with Havertz. Kai Havertz coming, like, almost like a diamond, Ambrosia. really, top there. And after yeah. 15 minutes, Gallagher went off, and Kovacic comes yeah. on, and they I don't know what again. that was about, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there's been mm. some kind of illness. We were trying to get to the bottom of that. I think he was ill before oh. the game or something. So it was a bit yeah. odd. But I thought that helped them. Um, Havertz and then Mount play in behind Broya. Um, so again, yeah, the two, the, yeah. and Loftus Cheek played wing back under Tuchel, hasn't played that yeah, right under, wing back, yeah. under Potter, mm. and he chucks that one in. It's such a. Yeah. I, I just, you know, just before I forget, Rob, just. I heard, a, I heard an interview. Sorry, go on, man. No, I just, I just, the first 10, 15 minutes when Brentford were really, really good, I just thought for the first time, is there too much change? Is he complicating things too much where they lost a little bit of rhythm, mm. the change was made, Kovacic came on alongside. Jorginho, and they seem to find yeah. a bit more rhythm. It was interesting because I saw a clip um, from um, a broadcaster who had both coaches at the desk before the game, uh, which is very unusual. And the host asked uh, Thomas Frank 
you can ask one question of Graham Potter, what would it be? And then said to Graham Potter, you can ask one question of Thomas Frank. And, and Thomas Frank said to Graham Potter, what is it with all the systems and changing? Well, what brilliant. dictates the systems? Which was a brilliant question. And, and, and the answer was even more revealing. And that Graham Potter says, I want the same dynamic, I want the same style of play, but I often change a system based on the game, on the players, and sometimes like the scoreline. And he said, I think it, 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 there's a consistency in the way we do and what we do, but the systems can change. I thought it was a really interesting answer. So he's almost saying, at times, he, he's, he's looking to challenge the opposition with the way that they're set up, but he isn't change, asking the players to play a different way. He's not, say, going back to front, or he's not yeah, play, yeah. playing philosophy's you know, the same, with a different width. Philosophy's the same. Yeah, philosophy's exactly the same. And so, in his system... Loftus-Cheek isn't really a wing-back. He's pushed in the midfield. And, you know, we've seen Ryan Sterling is on that left-hand side and people are like, left wing-back? Well, he's not really in that system. He's, he's a left-sided player who's got ability to run in from that, that side and maybe run in free without being picked up by a full-back or a centre-back. What was the question the other way? What did Potter ask Thomas Frank? Oh, uh, so Graham Potter asked him, uh, somebody who's done well in the Championship and then done well in the Premier League, what's the biggest difference? Uh-huh. And... Thomas Frank said two big things for him. The patient intensity of the game is scary that you've got to get up to. And he said, you can play as brilliant for 89 minutes, but one mistake can cost you the game here. Well, he said that wasn't as true in the championship. That's so, so good, yeah, by the way. It was that's really a great future. insight that, to good questions, really yeah. That's a different way yeah. of doing it. And what, mm. what great insight you've got there just by giving them yeah. the opportunity to talk to mm. each other because they want to give a good answer. They're respectful of each other. It, I mean, that's, that's really, yeah. really cool. That's really, really good. Um, how, yeah. How's Saturday going to look, mate? At Stamford Bridge, when, when Chelsea hosts Manchester United, Ten Hag, oh. with a confident team, starting to show his tactical now and, and understanding against a Graham Potter team that could have any kind of system, could have any kind of, of um, team laid out. How, how do we see this one in terms of Chelsea Man United right now? No idea. No, literally no idea. Yeah. I mean, that's why you got to love the league, ain't you, Rob? You know, and, and I know it's a lot of games mm. for, for people to watch and stuff, but, God, it, mm. stuff changes pretty quickly. The whole dynamic in that game yeah. now is different. I mean, yes, Chelsea, how are they going to play? You know, Manchester United now, you know, these, these are two teams with two managers, Rob, that love the ball, that love to have possession and control yeah. with it, two managers. And I think Ten Hag now, as time's gone on, he wants that, and he, and he wants to attack like crazy. Yeah. We saw him do that against Man City. They weren't up to that. That day wasn't a great day for them. They got a battering. They'll do the same approach, I believe, at Chelsea, Robert Stamford Bridge at the weekend. They'll try and go there and possess. Yeah. They'll throw people forward. I think that's what we're going to see now, and, and I've got to like it. And I think the United fans will appreciate it and will understand that sometimes, against certain matches, that that, that is over-brave and they're going to get, they're going to get beat. But, but why not keep trying to do it? Mm. Why not try to get better at it and try and get grooved in that style? So, wow. I mean, in terms of... What do we think in that game? I mean, I, I, United. I mean, I, I don't know. The last the last couple of weeks and and this performance makes you start to look at the yeah. league table and think, wow, if this continues, they're going to entertain a little bit and they're going to win a lot of games. Yeah. Fascinating game. Too early to tell yet for me, man. I got to get my head around these midweek games first. Yeah. But that yeah. is a, is a yeah. beauty. That's an absolute mm. beauty. Have you had, have you had any thought about what might happen on that Saturday? 
almost no, mate. We've still got another match day tomorrow, right. Thursday. Friday, I'll get my head on on things, start having a look at a few, a few bits and pieces, and, and I'll, I'll have a thought. It's, yeah, it's almost like a bit too early after what we've seen. And yeah. um, and it's going to be interesting again, you know, the, the, this Ronaldo story. Will he be part of a, of a squad that goes down to Chelsea or not? Yeah. Um, that, I'm sure, is going to be one of the many headlines that, that come out of that, that game of, you know, two teams who used to be challenging for, for, for the big stuff. Uh, on a regular basis. Uh, looking forward to that one on Saturday. That's 12.30pm Eastern Time on NBC and Universo. Uh, quick round-up of the yeah. other games, mate. Let's and we'll make quick. this one quick because it, it's, yeah. it's been a long day. So, Brighton nil, Forest nil. Not the greatest of games. Henderson in, in golf Forest had, had a good day. Yeah. Palace 2, Wolves 1. Uh, there's talk that Wolves are trying to get Michael Beale now, the Queen's Park Rangers manager in, in the door as, as their manager. He's got good reputation. Palace... Couple of goals to Eze and, and uh, Wolf Zaha again. Uh, much better second half for Palace. Uh, Wolves in a bit of trouble, need to get somebody in shoot. Bournemouth nil, Southampton one. Gary O'Neill loses his first game in charge. Uh, Southampton get up with a goal early and managed to hang on. Some good defending, some stout defending. In the end, in Newcastle one, Everton nil. Our friend Miggy, my friend, is at it again. I think that's four goals in his last four games um, for Almond. And a uh, good win for Newcastle, who were ticking along nicely. Dominic Calvert-Loon was back in, in the team for Everton. Um, but another defeat for I think. I think that might be three on the bounce for Everton, Rob, which is a little bit worrying for Frank, who's going sort of back in the wrong direction again, having, having got things uh, quite right not so long ago. Yeah, I think, I think obviously Everton are better. They're improved with the defenders and that we've talked about. Mm. That I still think it's going to be a tough season. Dominic Calvert-Loon started the game. Of course, he's got maybe yeah. get a little bit more time to get up to speed. Um, slightly concerning. Just finally, then, mate. I mean, a lot of talk about Newcastle United, the new ownership and new players, and they've done it yeah. steadily, and they're trying to do it within the the restrictions of financial fair play, which is which is how they should be doing it. Are they legit? Mm-hmm. Are they are they are they top six contenders, Rob? And I mean, are they going to break into that that group? I mean, I think we knew this was going to come. I'm a little. Yeah. I, I gotta yeah. say, I'm I'm a little surprised after what eleven games now. They're they're in a pretty good position for yeah. that. Um, I'll tell you. I'll tell you for now. I don't. I don't think they're going to finish in the top six. Um, I just think the way that the other teams are looking, Liverpool looking better, Man United looking better. I mean, still incredibly mm. difficult. I mean, Newcastle scoring some incredible, tough, yeah. incredible goals, and particularly Amaran mm. scoring. Goals, yeah. Can they keep that up and stay in that really tough area of the league to stay in? Yeah, I don't it's a tough think one. so. But what, what but do they, you think? They've got a window. They've got they've yeah. got a January window, mate, where yeah, they yeah. might bring one or two in. You know, a lot of this done without Sir Maximin, arguably their best one of their best players, not been involved as much. Colin Wilson's had injuries, so and he's he's got something going there, hasn't he? He's got a, a spirit around the team. They've got a real unity in the fans. I, I think they've got a healthy chance, Rob, of, of, yeah. of breaking in that top six. I, I honestly do. Um, so, you know, great management. We'll see how things go there with Newcastle. But um, excellent start to, to the season as we get towards the World Cup break. And talking of World Cup breaks, we gonna, next up we're going to speak to the great Andreas Cantor, share his thoughts on the Premier League and what he's most looking forward to when he comes to work on the World Cup that's coming up next month. We are delighted to have Telemundo's lead footballing commentator, Andres Cantor, join the podcast now. Andres, thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, we'll get your thoughts on the World Cup in a second, but we want to get some of your ideas or your thoughts on the Premier League season so far. Of course, one of the big stories is, is Arsenal and how well they've done and surprised quite a few people. Have they surprised you, the start they've had? Most definitely. Hi, Robbie. 
Uh, hi, Robbies. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be on. Uh, yeah, definitely. Arsenal is having a great run. Um, you know, everyone is thinking how long can they keep it up. Mm. But I believe Arteta has built a, a very strong side. I, uh, I think uh, Gabriel Martinelli is playing his best mm. football since he has continuity now in the first team. Gabriel Jesus has been a terrific addition. Sinchenko as well. And everyone really is playing very, very good. You know, Saka, Gabriel Magalhães, Ben White, you know, playing as a, as a right fullback. So I think definitely Arsenal is probably the surprise team of the tournament so far. What do you, what do you think might stop them? What might, you know, in a few weeks or months' time, where might they fall down? Like, which area? Squad? Or... Well, it's interesting. I think we all know that uh, this tournament will be divided in the uh, before the World Cup yeah. and after the World Cup. So yeah. if they can uh, maintain this lead uh, in the six, seven games that are left to the World Cup, uh, I think that is going to be very good for them because then uh, coming back from the World Cup, we'll see you know what state the players return in, uh, not only at, at Arsenal but uh, you know in the in the contenders. So what can stop them? Perhaps is that they don't have so much depth, like you know, City or I mean, City's kind of thin, even though it sounds crazy to say. But um, I believe if if they have all the personnel healthy, uh, they could be keep it up. Yeah, keep it up and be unstoppable. Okay. Yeah. Andros, talk to us about Man City. Um... Where they're different, where they're better. And, and I believe you, you sat down with Erling Haaland recently. Talk to us about sitting in front of that guy, just physically, what's he like face-to-face, what's he like personality-wise. What is it, you know, we, we've been calling the beast at the moment, 15 Premier League goals already this season. Give us an insight into him. Uh, he is a beast in, in all <laughs> sense of the word. And to, to tell you the truth, going into that interview, uh, having heard him in the uh, mixed zones, you know how he usually answers yes, no, maybe, good question, good answer. I thought, oh my, am I in for a tough interview? But the guy was really, really nice. Um, he answered, you know, all the questions very nicely as, as long as, as he could. Um, he's, a, he's a character. He's, uh, he's extremely tall. I mean, I know he's, I believe he's listed as 195, uh, 1 meter 95, um, or a little bit less, but I mean, he's huge. He's huge. And, um, you know, I've seen him obviously calling the games off tube. I was lucky enough to be at Anfield for the Liverpool City and, um, you know, saw him in person again. Uh, the guy moves. I mean, he's just a hunter in, in the box. He's uh, a prolific goal scorer. And obviously he will not be able to maintain the one goal per match average. You don't think he will? Well, I don't think so. Uh, I mean... Uh, you know, it's we were talking just now. What is he going to do in the World Cup break? Is he going to go to the Caribbean? I mean, he's going to be the most <laughs> rested <Yeah>. and <laughs> most dangerous player coming off the World Cup. I don't know. I, I just think of, of Man City as well on those. You still, do you feel they're the favourites to, to overcome Arsenal and to finish at the top? Is it, you know, a lot of people suggest in England that it's a race for second. Like City looks so great with him adding to a great team, a great striker, that they're going to be unstoppable? Uh, I think City, obviously, is, is the favourite. Um, you know, Arsenal, again, has had a very good beginning. 
and unfortunately for Liverpool, you know, they they have a game in hand, but it's so unfortunate that they keep getting players injured. The you know the mm. Luis Diaz injury first was a big big blow, and then you know now Diogo Jota is such a big blow for for Liverpool. Mm. But um, you know, talking about depth, I, I don't think they have that many guys to turn and, and go to. And, you know, Thiago is not playing his best, but I, I wouldn't count Liverpool out um, okay. if they can win that game that they, they have to play. Um, you know, they might give it, if they get uh, Diogo and, and Luis Diaz back in time, you know, after the World Cup, um, you know, they could give it a run again. You talk about Liverpool there, Andros. Just talk to us a little bit about Trent Alexander-Arnold. This this guy who sort kind of divides people. Brilliant going forward, a little suspect at the back. Um, I think you were at the game of the weekend. Joe Gomez uh, and played on the right side, and, and uh, James Milner was right back. Where do, where do you see Trent? And where, where do you sit in the? You know, he can't defend or he, he can defend camp. Well, I think we have to be careful in, in labelling his position uh, a guy that gives you 15 assists per year on average um, is not your typical defender and the way Liverpool plays you know with their defensive line so high up uh, obviously will create danger uh, on the counters and unfortunately he has not had a, a good beginning to the season can he defend? Is he a, a defender? Is he a man-to-man marker? Can he defend better than others? Uh, it's questionable. But then, you know, the style of play that Liverpool plays um, also gives him the liberty to go up and play almost as a wing-back uh, and, and create those uh, 15 assists per season and probably six, seven goals, either set pieces or, or goals by themselves. So uh, I know it has a lot of people divided. Uh, I believe he's, I mean, 23. He's got no limit yet. And I'm pretty sure if Jurgen Klopp, you know, uh, talks to him and, and they probably work a lot in training about, you know, his covering deficiencies, uh, I think he's still going to be around and a number one player for them. I want to move on to Manchester United in a second, but just one follow-up on Liverpool. Um, about the manager, Jurgen Klopp. Now, there's been a little bit of talk about manager behaviour on the sideline. We saw mm. against West Ham, he got red card for it. He was screaming right in the face of an assistant. Down, and it was a terrible kind of photograph that we saw in the English newspapers. Yeah. Just a quick thought of maybe Klopp, but in general, maybe Jesse Marsh. Like, the managers getting too fired up on the sideline? They always have. The thing is that we over feels worse, tend to magnify it? the thing... Uh, let me tell you where we come from, right? Um, where we come from, and I include all Latin American football fans. I wouldn't say this is normal behavior, but, you know, our coaches in, in Latin American football have that type of, of pressure, right. even more pressure. And here we're talking about, I don't want to use money as an excuse, right? But... Um, you know, in Latin America, perhaps the pressure is um, justified in the sense that it's the livelihood of the coach, you know, the paycheck month to month. And here we have a guy on Jurgen Klopp making probably upwards of $20 million a year that has this hot blood within himself uh, asking and, and screaming for a foul, which 
I said, being at Anfield the other day, how could they not call a foul? That was a clear foul on Salah. Uh, and then it doesn't help that the guy is six uh, four, and that Anfield is so close to the touchline, and he got on 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 Beswick's uh, face, and obviously he he was reprimanded for that. He was sorry about it. Uh, but yes, uh, you know, coaches do get carried away, but that is the pressure. You can imagine what, you know, besides the, the money uh, aspect, you can imagine that uh, he was feeling a lot of pressure because if he would have lost that game against City, then he would, you know, his season or Liverpool season yeah. would have been pretty much over. Let's just jump to Manchester United. And what do you make of United under Eric Ten Hag? We've just watched a, a game where they beat Tottenham. Really great performance. Uh, there's, two, there's two angles of this. I want to follow up with Ronaldo, but first... Mm-hmm. How have you found uh, United under Ten Hag? Uh, I can't tell which is a real Manchester United yet. Uh, I don't know if it's the one that you know had such a poor beginning. Uh, they haven't impressed. I, I wasn't able to watch the Tottenham right. game, so I can't speak to well. that. Yeah, it was but good. it was a good day for them today. Um, you know, they won a couple of scrappy games uh, like the one before, uh, but they got the the points. Uh, it looks like he found uh, the team. It looks like finally he inserted Casemiro. Uh, he Casemiro played today. Yes. Yeah. Good. He started. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, you know, they they knew something about him and and the time that he needed to to adapt to English uh, football. So obviously um, we'll see if they can keep it up because. Uh, you know, it's kind of uh, I don't know what you guys think, but I don't know which is the real United yet. Talk to us, uh, Andros, about the Cristiano Ronaldo because it, despite it being a really good team performance and great win for Manchester United, many of the headlines will carry the shot of Cristiano Ronaldo going down the tunnel with 89 minutes on the clock. So still time to play. Um, you know, he was a substitute, could have been called on. He walked down the tunnel uh, and the managers, I think, come out and said that he, you know, he didn't want to spoil today, he'll deal with it tomorrow. Where are we with Cristiano on this? And do you think this could be the beginning of the end? I believe so. I mean, how many more antics are they going to tolerate? Uh, both the manager, both the uh, technical director, both the, the owners at the end of the day. I mean, this is not good for the club. Uh, it's It's been clear and obvious that he wants to leave. He's been wanting to leave Manchester United. Now he can't leave because, you know, he, he the, the window is closed. And where does he want to play? He is probably one of the few players still, and he's not helping himself too much by, you know, these uh, theatrics. Theatrics, uh, because you know, even though if he goes for free to to another team, who would want you know to to change Take the the yeah the 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 chemistry of the locker room with a player as as big as as Cristiano Ronaldo, let alone that he's 37 and not in his best. Uh, football shape so uh, to me this is like not only the beginning of the end but I don't think the coach has any other resource but not to pull, put him in the team uh, next Sunday against uh, Saturday against Chelsea It's going to be interesting how Eric yeah. Ten Hag uh, handles it yeah. Let's switch over to the World Cup because I'm sure you're excited I'm no. jealous I'm jealous I'm not there and covering <laughs> I mean who doesn't I absolutely love the World Cup um, so there's a few angles here Let's, let's start with favourites, though, Andres. And I know Argentina is close yeah. to your heart and stuff. Mm-hmm. Who are the favourites, do you think, right now as we sit here? Yeah, I, I think the favourites are always the same. Um, 
because of their history in the, in the World Cup. I think Brazil has to be considered not the heavy favorite, but um, they have so much talent. I mean, they could field two starting 11s in any other group. Um, that's how deep this uh, Tite uh, side ha uh, is. So I think they're going to have a good run all the way to the semifinals when they meet Argentina. <laughs> that is my prediction of, of that side of the bracket. Uh, Argentina has been playing good, has been able to adapt to uh, not being codependent on, on Messi alone. Uh, they have found a new style for him in the national team. They have surrounded him with actually a team, uh, a very good one, uh, I might say, that um, doesn't play for Messi. Messi plays for the team, which is, um, you know, something different from from before, where everyone expected Messi to win hand single-handedly. So Argentina probably could be up there. Uh, I see them, you know, reaching the semifinals. But then, you know, this is football, as you know. It's seven games to get to to the final. Um, anything can happen, and of course. All the coaches are, are watching very anxiously every fixture wherever their players are because every week yeah. we get, unfortunately, a, an injured player. Uh, I read today that uh, Sommer, the goalkeeper for Switzerland, is also in doubt to play the World Cup. Diogo Jota's injury yeah. is a major blow for Portugal because, you know, he's mm. he has an average... Uh, or more goals than Bruno Fernandes and he, he has played every single match so that's going to be a big blow so uh, I think you know Brazil and Argentina on that side of the bracket um, on the other side probably Spain and, and Germany one of the two will get there and I keep liking Belgium uh, I think they have you know yeah they have great players they came up short in Russia we'll see if they can you know up it a notch and, and make it to to the final. They played. Uh, I was with um, with Thibaut Courtois last week in, in Madrid doing an interview, and I said, "What what is, what is it going to take for you guys to play seven games this time?" And he corrected me and <laughs> said, "We did play seven games." I said, "Yeah, well, <laughs> the, you play the seventh that nobody <laughs> wants to play." <laughs> And I'll talk to us about the CONCACAF group. Um, Mexico, huge nation, um, probably not at their very best. And in the USA, what can we expect from from Greg Berhalter's team? Well, I, I think it's when the rosters are announced, I am pretty sure the U.S. national team will be the youngest of all 32 nations, which doesn't mean that they will be uh, inexperienced. You know, we have a great young team that has uh, players that play at the highest level. You can't, you know, ask for more. You have, uh, um, need to remind your audience that we have Pulisic at Chelsea, uh, Tyler mm -hmm. Adams and Aronson at, at, uh, at Leeds, Anthony Robinson at, at Fulham, Gio at Borussia Dortmund, so on and so forth. So, uh, Musa at Valencia playing regularly. So even though the average age most likely will be around 23 years of age, they have experience. They have a Champions League winner. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's really interesting if, you know, they can get past Wales on that. I always say that all the teams, and, and you know, Earl can talk about this, how important the, 
the first matches, I always say that everyone has a final, which is not the seventh game, it's the first. Uh, because it will not be the same for the U.S. to get to the England game uh, with you know, a loss against Wales than with three points in, in hand. Uh, then you, know, you take some pressure off against England and we will see if England beats Iran. So you know, we, we shall see. It's going to be very interesting. But I believe the U.S. has, every country has to win uh, that uh, first match to get to the second one with, you know, a little bit less pressure. In terms of Mexico, um, they've been wanting to get to the quarterfinals for so many years. Uh, you know, they got to the fifth game in 1986 when the World Cup format was different. And there's this pressure that they have to get to the fifth game. Uh, again, they have a final against Poland, their opening match, because then if they get to the Argentina match, which is their second uh, with no points, I mean, they're going to be right. really playing with a lot, mm -hmm. a lot of pressure. So mm. um, we will see. And, and Canada, you know, it's they're back. Uh, it's good to have all three host countries of 26 in this World Cup. So we will see. I mean, I, I was I, I was at the Champions League match of uh, Bruges against Atletico Madrid last week. I was super impressed with Tejan Buchanan. He started yeah. playing as a left fullback. Ended up in the second half playing as a right wing. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's how versatile the former Revolution player is, and we've seen him in, in World Cup qualifying. You know, they have very good players. Jonathan Davies is scoring goals in France. Uh, Alfonso, you know, luckily is, is back and, and healthy. Alfonso Davies, uh, you know, the goalkeeper has tons of experience. Uh, they have a, a very interesting squad. It will be their first mm. World Cup for all of them, so we will see, but... I think CONCACAF is going to have it. It's not going to have it easy. Interesting. Um, okay. You know what I'm going to ask you next? There's a lot of talk, and I'm a bit disappointed <laughs> that you didn't sure. mention England in, the, in your, kind of your favourites and stuff. And it's, by the way, it's impressive the amount that you do know about a lot of these nations and the mm -hmm. teams. I guess it's mm -hmm. like what you've got to study on, but it's still, wow, a lot of players to get your head around. Give us a little, give us a little thought on England right now, then, Andres, and, uh, you know, what you think of Gareth Southgate and how this team might do. Sure. I'm worried. Um, <laughs> no, well, I think everyone is worried because what England, what France, what all the teams did in the Nations League in the last uh, FIFA match uh, fixtures that for the Europeans were the, the Nations League and, and England obviously didn't get to the Final Four and neither did Germany and, and so forth. Um, you all know that the World Cup is totally different. It doesn't... I mean, England is England. Harry Kane is not... Uh, worse, a worse player than he was uh, before not making it to the Final Four in Nations League. Um, so obviously they have to put that, you know, in the back burner aside. It's done. They didn't make it. Um, and now comes the World Cup. So preparation will be key. Uh, all of them will have very, all teams will have very little time to prepare this time around. But again, um, England is a team that hasn't changed much. What is the controversy now? Who is going to be the right fullback? Is it going? Are they going to call Joe Gomez? Are they going to call um, Ben White? Yeah, uh, who, who's going to fill in for uh, Rhys James? But basically, Southgate knows how he wants to play. He he's not going to you know he's not going to call uh, ten new players to to the World Cup. So the team uh, proved himself uh, proved itself uh, in, in the Euros 
uh, reaching the final. They had a bad run, of course, in, in the Nations League again, but then forget it. Whatever they did at Wembley against Italy and, and, and during the, the Euros and whatever they did at, at Nations League, that already has happened. Now they have to concentrate on trying to get results. The World Cup is seven games in 28 days to win it. Um, it's, you know, there's so many things that can go wrong. You can prepare as much as you want the match against Iran and then you have a blooper by the goalkeeper, by Harry Maguire, by whoever, and you're down 1-0 and you start doubting yourself. I mean, you both played and you know how this game um, evolves. And um, why don't I, why didn't I say England as my favorite? Because honestly, I don't think they're going to be favorites. I think if they get their act <laughs> together, they might have a good run. But then they got to beat Iran and they got to beat the... Just quickly on that uh, group. Yeah. You would expect USA and England to get out of that group? I, I, I mean, think be... so. I wouldn't count. I would like to... The thing is that, you know, by studying the, the, the World Cup teams, which I'm doing now for mm. uh, my prep for, for the Telemundo broadcasts, uh, it's very hard. I mean, I can see Iran playing the uh, Asian qualifiers. I, I can see all of their games, but then it's against the same competition and lower competition. Mm. Uh, I know that Taremi is a great goal scorer in Porto. He can play against the big European defenders. Uh, uh, you know, they, they have some players in Germany, etc. But as a team, I don't know. Now they change coaches. You know, Carlos Queiroz is back on the helm for a third time. So it's a new system. So whatever preparation I do by watching all the film of, of all the games of, of Iran... I don't know how they're going to respond against England on opening day. It's the opening opening game of the World Cup. Obviously, in that sense, England has lots more lots more experience, or the players do have more experience than the Iranians. Uh, you know, they most of this team played in in Russia 2018, so it's key. If they have a good game against uh, Iran. They will get to the USA with three points, thinking, you know, now it's control. we beat them and we're in control. Yeah. Uh, so answering your question, I like uh, England and USA in that group. And I would put an asterisk with Iran because I don't think they're a bad team. Mm. But I don't know. I mean, they were very good against their opposition. Now I would like to see them yeah. in, in this group. And just in closing, and, and, and we really appreciate you coming on, on the podcast today, giving us your insight into the Premier League and the World Cup. I want to take you to uh, a nation uh, that's close to your heart, Argentina, and this kind of complicated relationship it's had with Lionel Messi, and, and you know Messi's now won the Copa America last summer, so in some respects, does that change the view of Messi, how Messi might go into this tournament. You talked about there's a better team around him now. Just some of the emotions around Messi. And obviously for you, probably commentating on, on his last big tournament, um, you know, in what's been a, an incredible career. Yeah, yeah. It, it has changed 100%, not only for him, but for the national team winning Copa America. Uh, it was the first title that Messi won with the main Argentinian national team. Uh, not, and it wasn't just a Copa America title. It's easy to say we became champions of America. Uh, we beat Brazil in Maracanã Stadium. For Argentines, that means the world. Uh, you know, we came that close in 2014 to crown ourselves uh, champions of the world in Maracanã Stadium with what all that means for Argentinians. There's a big 
I don't think there's a huge, and I, I know you will say the contrary, but I don't think there's a, a biggest rivalry no. in, in football than Argentina right. and, and Brazil. So uh, Messi and Di Maria are the only two guys, I <clears throat> believe, in this roster that are still around from the three finals that Argentina lost in succession. Two Copa Américas, Copa América Chile 2015, then the Copa América Centenario that was played in the U.S. Against, they lost the final against Chile. Uh, they tied both games and lost it on penalty kicks. And then came, um, you know, the first came the, the World Cup final. So, um, you know, in Argentina, they put so much pressure on the national team that being second is not good enough. I mean, for God's sake, the you know, the guys <laughs> played three continental finals, two Copa Américas, one World Cup final, and yet, you know, they were considered losers because that is the way... Uh, Argentinian fans in general think. I mean, we don't go to the World Cup to, to participate. We go there to win it. So Di Maria mm. and Messi um, have taken a load of their bags, big, big load of their bags by winning Copa America. Now the team is like relieved. The, the team has a, a con, a, an emotional connection with the fans. I mean, when they play their first game after coming from Copa America, so it was a World Cup qualifying. They had Messi speak at the end to thank the, the Argentinian public and he started crying like a baby. Um, so, you know, he has been able to turn it around. The, the perception that um, all Argentinians have of him has turned dramatically. So obviously everyone wants him to win the World Cup, but I believe everyone will be cheering and will be applauding his last hurrah however uh, far it goes. Last question, Andres, and, and maybe a tough question. Um, this will be the first World Cup since the passing of the great man, Diego Maradona. Mm -hmm. Does that change anything about how the fans see this World Cup? Well, um, you know, it's going to be two years um, from his death, the day after, uh, the day after two years of his second anniversary, they play Mexico. I am pretty sure that that will be a very special okay. game. Right. The, the players will be pumped up. The fans will most definitely will have chance uh, remembering Maradona. Um, I think this generation knows, I mean, every Argentinian knows what Maradona did for Argentinian football. And it will be weird not seeing him uh, as crazy as he was uh, in the stands. So definitely uh, there will be uh, an emotional connection between the gods in heaven and, and the team but I think the team uh, in itself is, is very strong uh, and, and they don't need any uh, extra support right now I think they believe in themselves um, it will be very touching obviously for uh, you know all Argentinians that, that were around the Maradona days and seen him, you know, seen him play and, and so forth so uh, it will be very tough for me and I'm very emotional knowing that this is the first time, the first World Cup without Diego uh, alive. Andros, we, uh, we really appreciate you coming on and really look forward to listening and, and watching you in the World Cups. Th big thank you to our special guest, Andres Cantor, 
on a night when Manchester United look like the real Red Devils again. We'll be back on Sunday, that's October the 23rd, when I'll have our buddy Tim Howard with me as Mr Musty takes a well-earned break. But for now, I'm Earl, he's Musty together with the two Robbies. Thanks for watching and listening, be safe, stay healthy. It's a good night from me. And it's good night from him. Good night. Good night. Good night. <laughs>